0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 584 with our review of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I'm Christopher Schnasey.
1: And I'm Stephen Miller.
0: And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are here. It is finally here. The final installment in the uh, Skywalker saga, Mm -hmm. Uh, the ninth film in this crazy franchise, comprising of three separate trilogies. Um, And, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about it. You have no doubt heard lots of chatter about this film on the interwaves because uh, lots of people are talking about it and lots of people have lots of things to say about it. Um... It seems like the last Star Wars film was very divisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one might be equally divisive. Uh, we will find out momentarily. This um, is very
1: plot device <laughs> <Nothing> E. <else. laughs>
0: that is, that is true. Um, but yeah, so there um, there were a number of leaks uh, surrounding this this film. Um, Steven Miller was brave enough to dive into those leaks before seeing the film. I said, hell no, I'm staying away from everything. I want to see this completely fresh. Do, like, when you sat down this morning, Stephen, to watch this film, what was your anticipation level, and had it changed having known all the leaks and everything?
1: Yeah, so I think my anticipation level was not particularly high, but I think... I will get into this a lot more, obviously, when we talk about the movie. I think I am glad for having experienced the leaks beforehand. I think knowing what would happen gave me more of a feeling of relief that, like, nothing could be my childhood could be made couldn't be made worse or better <laughs> by this movie. You know, like. Like, that that kind of let the weight of this movie go, and so then I could just be like, hey, it's 7.50 in the morning, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and watch a Star Wars movie, and it, it it felt lighter, like, I I think I would have felt more heaviness to rush it immediately, like, to go see the 3 a.m. Friday night showing or something, if not for the fact that I already knew what would happen, so for me, it, it kind of helped, but it did mean... Maybe if I knew no leaks going in, I would have had a ton of anticipation going into this movie, and maybe I would have been disappointed after. <laughs> so I, I am, I'm not really answering your question, but I will answer a different question you didn't ask, which is that I am glad I read the leaks and I would do it again in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. I think that my experience watching the show Game of Thrones sort of made me come around on the idea of spoilers and knowing things before going on. I, I sort of... Uh, Trapped it within that uh, that uh, IP, um, yeah. and I never let it bleed out elsewhere. But I definitely went into the last season of Game of Thrones, having known everything that was going to happen the season before and leading into that season, what was going to happen in that season. And I liked the last season, Mm -hmm. mostly because I was just watching the presentation of the facts that I already knew. And I know that most people vehemently hated the final season. So, um,
1: You're you're leaving out the fact that the leaks we learned for season eight were of a much better ending than the one that actually happened. (laughs) Uh, Were they, though? I think so. I, I I don't know if we're allowed to spoil Game of Thrones in here, but the Peter Dinklage's story was way more oh, interesting. Oh yeah, that the leaks. that.
0: Or, but I'm talking about the leaks that were true, because that okay. was there were other leaks that were 100 percent true, and that was like one. That was like a a crazy yeah. like left field leak, which would have been awesome. But I mean, even the stuff that we did know mm-hmm. leading into the actual episodes that were true, yeah. yeah so yeah, I almost forgot about the the Dinklage stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I I definitely didn't let that bleed into my my readiness for this film. I was very excited for it started to hear some bad things i was like don't do it don't do it this don't let it be bad i want to see this movie so bad and i want it to be good so bad um but i have since gone back and listened to the leaks um and i have also had an interest my, so my, my girlfriend doesn't care that much about um spoilers and sometimes will have me recount the entire <laughs> plot of a film <laughs> <laughs> um that she might be may or may not be seeing later. And uh I it was definitely experience saying out loud what happens in this movie. <laughs> I
1: can only imagine.
0: <laughs> um but yeah, so we are going to get into this. Um this will be an episode that will have probably a fairly short non spoilery segment at the beginning. Most of our review will have to take place in spoilers. I'm sorry, that is the nature of the ninth film in a series. <laughs> um so we're going to take a listen to the trailer right now for The Rise of Skywalker and then come back and give you guys a, re- a review. It's an instinct. fight if we
1: lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends.
0: So that was the trailer for Rise of Skywalker, as we have mentioned several times, the ninth film in the Skywalker saga, essentially uh, Kylo Ren hears about another powerful force that may exist somewhere in the galaxy, and he's going off to try to get rid of that so that he can be the strongest thing in the galaxy. Rey is trying to train so that she can get stronger, so that she can fight whatever challenges come before her, and uh, those two diverging uh, paths may align themselves at some point to take on a scary foe that they will have to try to um, thwart to save the galaxy, from potential ruin, from um, uh, an order that might come after the first. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Unless you take the Bible seriously.
0: (laughs) So, Stephen Miller. So, as we said, we'll do non-spoilers followed by spoilers. Yep. There are certain things that we will have to confront, even in the non-spoilery segment, which are things that are in the trailer, and there are things in the opening crawl of this film. This film, like like all Star Wars films, takes a jump forward in time and communicates information about what's happening in the galaxy. And this, of all the opening crawls, this is probably the dooziest as far oh, yeah. as how much exposition is dropped during the opening crawl. So I think that in the fairness of trying to talk about as much as we can in this film, we will consider this opening crawl non-spoilers, and I think that I will read it now. Good,
1: because I don't remember what's in it.
0: (laughs) Just to start out the episode. And keep in mind, this is like... I, I went to Reddit to get what the opening crawl was because I didn't remember it exactly. So if there was one word that is wrong in this, blame Reddit, not me. But here it is. Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. The dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope for the Jedi, trains to battle against the diabolical, diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power, dot, dot, dot. Um, So that is the setup for this story. The Emperor is back. Kylo Ren is pissed (laughs) because he wants to be the most powerful thing in the galaxy. And Rey is training while the non-Rey people in the uh, Rebels are trying to go off and or the Resistance, are trying to go off and find the information needed so that Rey can go off and fight this Emperor fella. Yep. (laughs) Stephen Miller, what did you think of Rise of Skywalker?
1: So what I wanted to start with is, out of curiosity, I went back to look at what I thought of The Last Jedi, because I have only watched that movie once, and that was the time in theaters when it came out. When we reviewed it well before The Last Jedi became a major divisive thing that, became kind of a rallying cry of fans and detractors and kind of, like, split the internet in two. And in that splitting the internet in two, I remember my side was clearly the pro-Ryan Johnson side, right? Like, if those are the two extremes, I'm definitely on the one that he did something interesting, and I want to defend that. And I was curious, going into this one, like, how did I feel about The Last Jedi? Like, what were the problems? What were the things that I liked? And in, I, I won't read the review verbatim, but in the review, I basically compared trying to critique a Star Wars movie to trying to write a Yelp review of an airplane <laughs> in that, like, it's such a giant, ridiculous thing with so many constraints that have nothing to do with you that it almost feels unfair to judge yeah. it like you would a normal thing. Like, maybe I don't like how loud the intercom is. Maybe I think the seat is uncomfortable. But, like, what the hell do I know? There are a million reasons they maybe needed to do that to satisfy other yeah. people, other factions, blah, blah, blah. And so in the review, what I ended with is I talked about like all the fanserving, fan-servicing elements and the B-plots that didn't matter and characters that didn't need to be there. And I said, none of this is bad or distracting or even that disappointing. It comes with the risk-averse territory. If you wanted nose dives and backflips, you shouldn't have flown commercial. But I wish we could find a way to do both. I wish someone could keep this sturdy without it feeling so safe. And I can't believe I wrote that about this movie, considering this movie. how much Rise of Skywalker... <laughs> Like ten times, like everything I criticized about the last Jedi would apply a hundred x on on this current movie, right yeah. like and and that again is the culture war has kind of like divided it where my criticism of Ryan Johnson, I almost completely forgot it because like comparatively speaking, he was taking really bold, interesting decisions, like he had a movie that he let be a little more quiet, he let moments sit a little bit longer. he was willing to really divide fans on something, and this movie is very, very, very much about throwing every possible fan servicey thing we can to have kind of a last hurrah, this kind of grand finale of the Star Wars saga. Very much like Avengers Endgame, you know, of like try to throw in a little bit of everything, get everybody's heart tugged about memories of the past sequels and stuff like that. And it's just, it, it was funny to me. It was funny to realize that even then I was feeling cynical about the franchise, <laughs> knowing what I know now. But at the same time... I do not know how I feel about this movie, because while I see the strings it is pulling, and on paper there is a lot to be frustrated about in how much plot J.J. tries to cram into this movie, in how much, if you think about it, he is completely undoing much of the second movie for no clear reason, in the kind of cowardly way that characters— are threatened. And then within 30 seconds, we already learn about something that undoes whatever tension had been there before. Like there is a lot on paper to dislike, but as a spectacle, I also had a lot of fun with the dumbness of it in, in a way I, I, I couldn't decide while watching it if this was a comic book movie or a Harry Potter movie or a Game of Thrones season eight. <laughs> because Comic <laughs> book, because the way this opens, and we'll get into it in spoilers, felt like I was watching Shazam or something. It was like, here's the big bad. Ooh, <laughs> what's going to happen? Like, it was very episodic feeling, very kind of morning. Say name
0: so the force can <laughs> move through <Yeah>.
1: you. <laughs> um, Harry Potter, because it was the kind of thing where I felt like the weight of all past installments were filling so much time that anything new that happened barely mattered if if that makes sense like it becomes way more about the legacy than about whatever the character is doing in the moment yeah um and game of thrones because death doesn't matter <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it's a it's a weird thing it, it does not feel totally like a star wars movie but i also didn't have a bad time either i think there are real thrills here i think the main plot line of ray and kylo ren is handled pretty well. Like, when I think through their arc over the trilogy, I feel pretty good about where they landed. And I have, I have things that I hate about the big bad in this movie that when I think about all nine movies together, it kind of feels like an interesting through line that I didn't know I wanted. Um, so I, I feel mixed, basically. And I think having had many weeks to digest the spoilers ahead of time has made my my frustration at the cowardly aspects of this movie died down a little because i already knew them and i was able to kind of just enjoy the spectacle for what it was today so i i don't know what i don't i don't love this movie i don't hate this movie i think jj went a kind of like flimsy route but then he threw every bit of jj-ness into it to make sure it was as fun and ridiculous as possible even as he kind of did the safe way so yeah yeah i I don't know it it is a kind of mess of a movie and i kind of still had quite a bit of fun watching
0: yeah i so for me i
1: liked watching this movie (laughs) i i that is the the opening sentence of a death review from chris (laughs) i liked watching
0: (laughs) I, I think the film is enjoyable. There is a lot... Spending time with these characters you can't not have fun with because you care for these characters already. And I think that there is some legitimately interesting stuff happening in this film. Um, I think that, um, you know, this film uh, carries forward a lot of the force binding between Rey and Kylo yep. um, that was present in um, The Last Jedi. But... It takes it even farther forward and makes it more significant and has some of the best Star Wars moments I have seen in any of these nine films mm. take place in this film. And that's incredible. And I love it for doing that. Unfortunately, all of these moments, like, like, like as you said, the arc of Rey and Kylo do what it needs to do and does what I would have always wanted it to do and is perfect. Like, as perfect as it can be when it is weeding through this other all the other arcs that are happening but i think the rest of the world is so silly is not the word it's just poorly conceived of and the mechanics of trying to incorporate the rest of the people into the story is doesn't really do much like we we have added characters to the saga and then taken time in the last couple movies to give them things to do that don't add or change anything in the story whatsoever what like this is really about two people confronting each other and confronting who they want to become and confronting a danger in the galaxy this entire film franchise could be just three characters and ignore everything else or at least ignore everyone whose character is still alive at the beginning of this film right mm-hmm. um because this story doesn't require anybody else i mean uh the force awakens was the story about a young girl on a salvage planet who didn't have much of a life who dreamt about going to the stars and competing in this big rebellion that was happening and then finding herself thrust into a position where she is front and center in this galactic battle this stars war right yeah (laughs) and like you are it it is the story of going from nothing to the front of everything once she's the front of everything. Nothing else really matters. Like, everyone else is completely inconsequential other than to provide the backdrop of a large space battle that is impressive in visuals, but stupid in thought. (laughs) Um, Most of the set pieces in this film are just there to be an exciting set piece and if you take a moment to explain like like so if you if you described what happens in like let's say the uh when they go to the sand planet and they're there during the color festival yeah. <laughs> and and they're racing on these uh, sand snowmobiles and there's people with jetpacks and there's uh dust the colored powder things exploding while everybody's right. flying around if you describe that scene and you're like Doesn't that sound cool? And somebody goes, that does. Why are they there? And then you explain that part. You feel dumb. You feel like an idiot as you try to explain why things in this film are happening because there's no reason for them. In fact, we'll get into it in spoilers, but the scene at the beginning of this film where Kylo Ren finds out what the story of this film is could have been the end of the film right there. Like the big bad could have accomplished his goal in that moment. And we might have had to have three more films in the future where people try to reckon with that, but his goal would have been met in that moment if something would have just happened. Mm, I thi-
1: disagree, but we can talk in spoilers. We- I do think the reasoning behind it got chopped out of the movie pretty heavily, <laughs> but...
0: Uh, well, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about it in spoilers, but I just think that there's some silly things in there. Um, but beyond that, as I said, this film series, this this trilogy is really about Ray of no name... <laughs> And Kylo Ren, Mm -hmm. and this this story delivers on on huge moments for these characters, and I loved every second of that. Unfortunately, there are like seven million seconds in this film, and most of them aren't following these characters. They're following other stuff with reveals and scares that don't really matter or change anything at all. But I think the core through point of this story is something that I can like and celebrate. It just is in a film that is very muddy. And the last thing I'll say before we like sort of dive deeper into this conversation is that you know you you mentioned that this film feels a lot like it's trying to undo some of the things that Ryan Johnson did in his previous film. I've heard that a lot from the internet, and even before anybody had like really read the leaks, everybody was like, based on these interviews with JJ, it sounds like he's going to try to wreck on everything. I. Don't even stand by that statement because the best parts of this film only work because of stuff that Ryan Johnson set up in the previous film. Mm. And all he's doing is like, I really like cream cheese frosting, so I'm going to wipe off all your frosting and put my cream cheese frosting on it and call it mine. It's like he's adding information that is dumb, but the end goal of what is happening is still based on what ryan johnson set up and those are the parts of this film that i actually like and i just think it's it's sad to like see all this mess added to try to make everybody happy to try to have individual scenes where some corner of the internet can ship two characters even though another corner of the internet is shipping those same characters with other people it just it just feels so muddy but the core of this film the force if you will is still strong. <laughs> so yeah.
1: I so so I, I agree with that. And when I say that he is trying to undo parts of Ryan Johnson's film, I think it's more well, there's two arguments there. One is thematic. There are some thematically brave things that Ryan Johnson did that JJ is not Sticking with you know yeah. and and that doesn 't literally undo anything, but it the emotional heft of it is as if it were it 's like he doesn 't have the courage of johnson 's convictions basically yeah. like that that is part of what it feels like, and there are some characters that basically didn't need to exist based on what this movie does, yeah um, which is not new but i I do agree the emotional through line is still there, and I think in particular. One of the great gifts Ryan Johnson brought this franchise is the the force communicating the Harry and Voldemort type of relationship that uh, yeah. that Ray and Kylo have, and that is one of the gifts that makes most of the best scenes in this movie work. Um, so, uh, so I do feel there too. I I don't feel a total conflict between them so much as like JJ did the safe opening that needed to happen to have the, like, nostalgic, let's get everyone together for the first installment. Ryan was like, okay, now how do we carve out our own lane and do something different here? And then JJ came in at the end and basically was like, yeah, well, we're not going to be that different. And th- in that sense, it feels competing. But I don't think he is, like, literally undoing too much of it. It, it still works as a messy trilogy. It isn't like it's incoherent.
0: Yeah. I, I think for me, one-, one of the things that annoys me, though, is that I think the opening crawl for this story, this, so we we are told, we are told the dead speak, the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast. This film does not adhere to that sentence. That is the first sentence of the opening crawl. It says the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast. There is a plot mechanic that is the resistance trying to prove the existence of the galaxy hearing that secret message. Mm. So Imagine if the post-credit scene for The Last Jedi was all terminals on all space stations coming on and hearing a message from the from Emperor Palpatine saying, like, I, basically, prepare. I am going to take over the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heads would have fucking exploded, and everybody would have been like, oh my god, right? But leaving it until the trailer reveal for The Rise of Skywalker, and then telling us that story in an opening crawl is stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so ridiculous to skip over all this story where some people heard that the emperors are alive and we start this film with... Uh, Kylo Ren blowing through the galaxy, trying to find this Emperor fella because he wants to make sure there's. It's basically Dragon Ball Z, right? Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren is now an evil version of Goku, going through the galaxy trying to take on whoever the next big bad is, so that he can like Kamehameha them off yeah. the planet.
1: right? Well, he's like, Voldemort too. I, this is, again, yeah. it's Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It just, I, I, I think it's crazy. Like, who cares who any character's identity is to the story, if the emperor is going to be a threat he shouldn't announce it to a single character and then have other people hear rumors of it make it a thing where he's like surprise entire universe you guys are fucked mm. and then everybody would be scared and it would make sense why ray is like shit i really need to train to take on this big bad not i need to train to take on kylo ren oh also there's now an emperor according mm. to a person who sent a message like i just it just seems strange that there 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 was a chance to set this up in a better way instead of making it like okay skip all that and just know the emperor's back and he's scary now and we'll we'll tell you in like two minutes of exposition why he should be scary yeah. and then it and then you're just like i i don't but now it's still a, a singular person trying to stop a singular entity and i don't care that there's lots of ships involved if it's really just one-on-one it, it just feels it feels unnecessary as opposed to a story that actually means something between characters trying to fight, like, a real force. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seemed very strange to me.
1: Yeah, it, it was weird, but at, at the same time, in the first maybe 15 or 20 minutes of this movie, I was impressed with how much fucking exposition they managed to squeeze in. Um, so, like, like, I hear you. It is weird. It, it's an example of them not giving moments room to breathe, like— a movie that was really trying to make you feel a thing and trying to pare down and keep it simple would have held out that moment and made us hear him announce his intent and we would get to live with that fear, right? And instead it all is on fast forward because it's like, all right, we got planets to go to, we've got other things to do. Um and that that is the kind of fast forward nature of this movie that is a little bit strange. Yeah. But it I, I think maybe because so part of it is I was I was a fan of Star Wars when I was quite young. I don't remember the exact age that I watched it, but I was not cool at the time. So I (laughs) didn't know that I was supposed to think Empire Strikes Back as the best movie. For me, Return of the Jedi was the best movie because it had better lightsaber fights and had the emperor with lightning shooting out of his fingers right and that was like whoa whoa that is the big bad crazy thing and so a little part of me even though i don't think this movie totally delivers on the emperor a little part of me having it open with like he's already here get used to it i kind of had the the kid inside of me got excited for like what is the inevitable showdown gonna look like in the end so i I felt it in a kind of kid logic way, but I do think emotionally it was a stupid way to start.
0: Yeah. Um, In spoilers, I will tell you my idea for Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I have a film that would be super awesome. Okay. Um, But it it will include referencing the other story beats that we haven't exactly talked about from this film. And we'll see what you think of my schnaize of Skywalker.
1: (laughs) I, I mean, I don't want to cut this part too short, but do you want to just call this our spoiler-free section and go into spoilers. I'd like, like I feel like there are things I want to rant and nitpick about. Yeah. I don't know how useful they are, even if I dance around them well, without getting specific.
0: L- let me say one more positive thing before we do that. Um, the... You know, everybody talks about Duel of the Fates or whatever the actual scene is called in The Phantom Menace being like one of the best lightsaber fights because, you know, you have the shield doors opening and shutting and whatever. And then you have dual lightsabers and all that's, that, all that's fine and dandy. Um, but it's not exactly the best choreography. It's just a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we haven't seen yet. And the villain is very scary. And it's characters that are mentors of each other fighting a thing that is scary. Um, so, yeah, that that's fine and dandy. This film has by far the best lightsaber fighting in the entire series, in my opinion, because for the first time ever, it feels like people are actually trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. um, or at least mortally wound each other. Yeah, I think it's that and, big
1: Kylo energy, basically. Yeah, no,
0: it is. It is that big <laughs> Kylo energy. But like, there, there is something about like the physicality of Kylo Ren, and the fact that he's like twice as big physically as Rey, and the it's not people twirling sabers around like it's a you know recital it's people who are actually trying to push their saber through another person and then the other person trying to deflect it away from them with all of their might and energy and there are it's just the rage and the exertion it's like we talked about in um in the, the newest t- Tomb Raider film there there are scenes where like you feel feel the exertion at least at least is doing to try to like take these guys out and it makes it feel that more visceral because you feel every grunt as though it's real not a character acting and saying like
1: ah oh
0: ah. it's like a it's a guttural i am expending all of my energy to do this and you watch these two characters in a couple different fights just bludgeon the shit out of each other mm-hmm. or attempt to at least and it's just it's impressive and it feels For one of the first times that it isn't a choreographed dance and it's just raw energy bleeding out of people as they try to massacre each other. And it just it's amazing.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree. I like the lightsaber battles a lot, though still my heart will always be with the Phantom Menace, because I was young enough to not notice any flaws in that. So to me that was as perfect as every action figure battle I ever had in the bathroom alone with my toys. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. But I think I think I think we've just seen so much stuff. Now, since then, like things like John Wick, right, where you see so much hand to hand combat that, that even in, even when I watched John Wick three, I was like, this choreo- choreography is so good, but I can still tell that Neo knows when a fist is coming at him. Yep, he's still he's not responding to it early, but I can tell I can I can see him preemptively begin to get ready to take that attack, mm-hmm. and I feel like in this, it feels real it feels like, more frantic definitely. yeah it feels like if you and i really wanted to kill each other and yep. just grab two lightsabers and we're like one of us is gonna die let's do this
1: <laughs> yep i i totally agree with that though i do want to say a broad thing that we can explore more in spoilers the different forms of fighting in this movie are so the gap in how powerful they are and the decision of when to use one versus another i do not understand yeah maybe i don't have to but i don't understand it
0: yeah yeah that's and it definitely there are times where somebody uses the same thing somebody else uses just to show they can also do it
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yep. and it feels like there's some sort of rule of filmmaking that you're breaking when it it, it just it yeah <laughs> yep. it's the equivalent to like in a movie where the hero like headbutts the bad guy and then the bad guy headbutts them back <laughs>
1: Let's see other other positives. Um, I like Babu Freak. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm into him, and I like the little JJ Abrams voice droid that that is in some of those scenes as well. Yeah,
0: I also really like Zori, Zori Bliss mm-hmm. and like the backstory we get with that character. Um, I don't like a lot of the things surrounding that character. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll get into in spoilers. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think mostly every other thing that I want to say, both positive and negative are huge spoilers for this story um so as you said maybe we should just sort of wrap up the non-spoiler segment so let's get to verdicts now steven miller if you were gonna give able to say must see recommend with a caveat wait for rental pass the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it
1: uh i think i'm going recommend with a caveat in this case and what i mean by that is like it is very silly there's a lot of dumb stuff here i think with these raw materials there are so many better movies you could make that would accomplish the same goal but the spectacle is still there. It is not... And maybe it is because it was deflated with spoilers. I'll grant that. But it was not disappointing to me when I watched it today. I had fun. And it didn't drag... It didn't feel as heavy or bloated as I expected it to, given how much plot it had to race through. So I did not like it, as it is probably my least favorite in this trilogy. I think it is better than the prequels still, so I'm not going to cling to the extreme that some people are doing when they're calling this the worst of these Star Wars movies. Um... I think it sits there in the middle. It does. It sticks the landing barely. It's like the Millennium Falcon. It always manages to break when it lands. <laughs> it barely makes it through, but damn it, it still survived. And even though some things feel very toothless and very almost infuriating in terms of its relationship with fans, I still think it it landed like i think disney can still keep its head held mostly high and be like we still have a saga on our hands we can do more with this universe so i feel i feel fine with it it's also really fucking dumb
0: (laughs) yeah um yeah i i am also going to give it a recommended caveat um the recommend is just because like it's the final star wars in the saga and you have to kind of see how everything resolves um the caveat is that it's kind of dumb in a lot of places and though there are moments of brilliance in the story there are also moments of sheer stupidity and things that like i can't imagine got off the writing room floor um the other secret caveat is that if you know carrie fisher wouldn't have died this might have been a very different story yep. it, it was intended to be a very different story and they did what they could with her character um and yeah yeah little grain of salt there but i i just think that this film is not that great i enjoyed watching it i had fun with it if you can watch this movie like it and explain beat for beat what happens in the story to another person and not you, feel like an you idiot should
1: direct the next one <laughs> you should direct the next one
0: but yeah i just it's it's a disappointing film but it is not uh nerve-wracking as you watch it it's just the more you think about it, the worse it gets. So watch it, enjoy it, and then stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation.
1: Yep. <laughs> Definitely just stop thinking.
0: <laughs> All right. So for people who are not going to stay for spoilers, we're going to say goodbye to you guys. Stephen Miller, people want to find you the week. Where can they do that?
1: Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: People can find me at com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to... Star Wars Episode 9, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. So, hopefully, you are enjoying that right now. The last time, most likely, we're going to get to listen to Luke's theme, which is, dare I say it, the best of all the Star Wars themes. Um, but uh, yeah, we are going to let the music fade up. That beautiful, beautiful music. Mm-hmm. All right, and when that music fades out, we will be back and we will be in full-blown spoilers. So if you have not seen this film, what are you doing? I mean, I know there's probably no seats left, but still, go out and see it and then come back and listen to the spoilers. Spoilers for Star Wars Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, starting now. Woo <laughs> Woohoo. So, Steven Miller, how do we want to handle these spoilers?
1: I don't really even know where to begin. Like like I, I can start in random places, or if you want to have a kind of order of like Plot order, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you did that with Avengers: Endgame to pretty good results. Um, so,
0: I didn't. I didn't break the entire. I, I, my good and bad are, they're, they they are ordered in how things appear in the story, but they are like broken into yeah, two stacks. Not shuffled. I haven't shuffled them yeah. together in one thing. Um, so we can talk about first. First, let's talk about like the, the thing that we praised sort of the most was the the Kylo. And the Ray storyline and sort of their their force binding and the fact that they are this dyad, which is, I believe, a word that we get for the first time in this story, Mm -hmm. um, which is basically that the Force has created two people who are um, diametrically opposed within this Force and that the Force has created the power in both of them um, in order to bounce the Force itself. So the entire series so far has been about... Jedi and Sith either trying to balance the Force or unbounce dis- the Force, right? So it's the Sith are trying to um, either kill strong Jedi or just kill the Jedi in general and make it so that the Sith are the only ones that are Force users in the universe and they sort of rule the whole world, the mm. uh, universe. And the Jedi have been trying to stop the bad people from rising up and sort of make sure that there are Force users on all sides that are commuting one with nature. And this... This tells us basically factually for the first time that the force can do this on its own mm-hmm. and it doesn't require the work. of like So basically anything any character has done throughout this entire series has been for naught. It's
1: Calvinism, baby.
0: <laughs> because basically the world will fix itself on its own because that is the way the universe is. So the force has the power to balance itself whether people realize that or not mm-hmm. um so sorry all you jedi from all the old films you were wrong
1: <laughs> yeah but at the same time and this is already where it gets a little convoluted and i think my understanding of the the leaks and maybe what was meant to be in versus what got cut out goes away because in the movie i don't know if uh sorry we're already scared spoiling everything now or are we like gonna hold out are we gonna delay the reveals of so, certain so, things? so you
0: can sp- like we we are in full-blown spoilers so it's yep. okay to spoil at a turn mm-hmm. um if as I, like ray is who
1: i want to talk about and how ray became ray
0: yeah yeah so so we, we we can talk about that in conjunction with this point that we're talking okay. about now because they are they are related so yeah. it's okay to spoil that early I okay guess.
1: yeah so so in the movie we learn that ray is the granddaughter of emperor palpatine and that's about As much as we learn about her and why she has powers. Yeah. I remember learning that it was more than that, that Palpatine kind of chose to impart powers to her because he wanted this dyad to emerge and that it was all kind of his master plan to make this happen in a way that makes it feel more like he is pulling the strings. I don't think the movie justifies that. The movie doesn't really tell us anything except that it's like in her blood and she had that power the end right like how much exposition does the movie give to his intent over her
0: so he has been pulling this so he he states that he created snoke Mm. we find out literally because we see like gestation tubes with like other snokes inside them which sure um (laughs) we'll leave that alone for now but we know that he created snoke with the purpose of turning uh, kylo ren from good to bad mm. so it was meant to tempt him away from being the light side because he was being tutelized <laughs> by uh by luke skywalker yeah um and from his depths in exegol um in the unseen regions or whatever they're called um where
1: he, thousands of people just sit in the dark and go, yeah. occasionally.
0: So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later because that must visual... must be a really
1: gratifying life being a Sith.
0: <laughs> That visual was fucking rad, yeah. but didn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyways, so so basically he creates whole cloth or either from, maybe it's part of himself. Maybe he's like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why the bottom half of his body doesn't work because he made <laughs> Snoke with it. But either way, so he makes this dark supreme leader thing to turn Kylo Ren to the dark side and then um, through the course potentially of the uh, ramifications of that the force creates Rey well gives Rey these powers theoretically and he starts to realize the strength that is coming in her Mm -hmm. and then decides to change his focus from Kylo to Rey Mm -hmm. at least that's sort of the way i interpret this sort of experience
1: ray's parents basically died to not have to give her up to him so he already had some intent for her before i guess i don't know how much older ben is than ray maybe maybe that would explain the timing of it a little bit more
0: yeah i I, yeah so that's the confusing part is because palpatine definitely ordered the hit on her parents Mm -hmm. but so it doesn't seem like her parents died to not give her up it just seems like she like it's it's almost like he was trying to hide her away so that nobody would notice her it was like because a back it was like a backup plan almost because
1: there's a flashback where the dagger from the guy that i don't think we've ever heard of before this movie but we're supposed to know who he is in this movie um yeah no <laughs> that guy asks where she is and they say she's not a jaku anymore we don't know we'll never tell you and then he stabs them so it makes yeah. it seem like there was a hunt for her already
0: yeah yeah, um, yeah. but he yeah it which was, again
1: harry potter like, so much of this movie feels like Harry Potter to me. Yeah, that is true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so yeah. So, so going back to this whole thing though, is this is why I think that uh, this stuff was actually pre. Like, forget the granddaughterness, right? What Ryan Johnson was trying to establish is that the force balances itself and that Ray was nobody, but the force saw in her something and bestowed those powers upon her and made her that strong and all that jj is really doing is or jj's store like jj's people and everybody's been working on this all they're really doing is also applying the significance of i mean the force bounces itself but also it started with palpatine's granddaughter mm-hmm. <laughs> right? it just feels like a, an extra level of, that doesn't actually change anything if they chose to not make her, she could still be no one. And the story could have played out exactly the same as it did. And that's one of the things that frustrates me so much is because you're literally just trying to undo the point of what uh, what he did for the sake of thematics, right? Like you're, you're purposely trying to give her a lineage because that's the story you want to tell when it doesn't change the fact that the same events could have taken place. Without her being the granddaughter of Palpatine, and that's that's just frustrating. Can I, can
1: I blow your mind for a second? Yeah, Ray is Arya Stark. She has an important lineage, but learns to be no one, and then <laughs> the lineage comes back and becomes important, so she can defeat the big bad with the combo of the no oneness and the power of who she really is, and and the catching of a lightsaber. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She did use the exact same move that Arya uses. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. um, <laughs> that is that is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so true that it can't even fully blow my mind because it's just true.
1: <laughs> it just is. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so I, I just think that it, it seems like the stuff that... It seems like J.J.'s film is building upon Ryan Johnson's film and doesn't actually undo it. It just adds useless information on top of it that doesn't change anything. It just adds more significance. Eh, So
1: so like what I mean yeah, of course. You can you can you can do whatever like the double of retcon is where I can now ret I I can reimagine the last Jedi and be like, look, there's a single thread that goes through here. She is no one. The force just did a thing and that's great. And now by the way a new thing happened. But The thrust of what made The Last Jedi so divisive was that there had been a mystery building ever since the first movie of who are Rey's parents? Who is she related to? Is she a lost Skywalker? Is she this? Is she that? And the movie was definitely trying to make you sit with the idea she's not get over that get over that feeling that that has to be how it works that's not how it works and that that emotional thing right like that thematic push is what jj undid even though i totally agree that like you could pile all them on and be like okay that is still telling a story but how it actually worked in the moment to challenge people i think this is kind of like the weak way out in the end
0: yeah but um,
1: it, but it didn't actually bother me that much maybe because i've had like 2 months to sit with it already
0: so, so I want to I want to talk more about the dyad thing and go back to the beginning of the film and the opening where we see uh, we basically catch up with Kylo Ren. He has been, according to the opening crawl, killing people throughout the Just galaxy, slaughtering, looking for children, looking for the uh, Sith version of Waze, so that he can pilot his ship into the into Exegol. And then he goes down there with the intention of killing Palpatine. And Palpatine goes, "Don't kill me. I'll give you my ships." And then all these star destroyers crack out of the ice and you see he sees a giant force and he's like well shit i was gonna have to build all those by myself but if i just work for this guy then cool and then he goes off and starts his journey trying to catch ray to bring to him um later on in the film at the end of the film <laughs> palpatine is like strike me down and i'll be more powerful than ever my spirit will flow into you and you will become the greatest jedi or sith of all time
1: why couldn't Kylo Ren just do that at the beginning of the movie? So, so here's where I think stuff got cut. I don't think his plan was ever to be struck down like that. I think that that's what he said. And I feel like one of the leaks that I had like read, because I did some Reddit searches after listening to stuff, too, yeah. was that he is doing this and he wants to get Kylo... And Ray together at the same time, so he can feed off of both of them collectively, and it's that collective thing that he wants. And like he kind of does that at the end, where he's like, "This is my plan all along. I'm the but, one Empire."
0: But he doesn't even say that. He goes, "Ah, a dyad in the Force." <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he clearly doesn't know. <laughs> like it's not until they both raise Luke's and Le- Leia's lightsaber and stand in the same stance as if they're going to fight him together, and he goes. Ah, maybe I don't have to die.
1: Like, like I think the I I agree with you that that is what is on screen. I think the intent of it is that his plot involved both Kylo and Rey. He wants both. That that's why Snoke also in the second movie, I don't remember exactly what happens, but it's kind of a thing where Snoke wants Kylo to bring Rey to him and it, it's like both of them together rather than just like let's murder this person as fast as possible but
0: see like even if that is the case why does it need the ceremony of all the sith gathering oh
1: no fucking idea because
0: if it is (laughs) if it is this weird like midsummer kill ourselves and pass on spoilers for (laughs) midsummer but you can't really spoil that movie because i don't know what the fuck's happening there but if it was like a thing where the elders are literally passing on their spirit towards the creation of a new elder.
1: It's the Jellicle day.
0: (laughs) Then if that's the thing, then like, it makes sense that there's this, because we have like all of the trainer Jedis we've seen throughout the film have always like disappeared, right? Disapparated so that the person below them, they can join the lineage of the thing. Mm. And from some of the star Wars games that I've played, um, when you're a Sith, like the Sith version of Padawan is supposed to eventually kill its master mm-hmm. to finish. Yeah. It's like that's the final thing that act, it's. It's like being a double O, right? You yeah. have to get that kill before you actually become a real Sith. I might be bastardizing it. I literally played Star Wars: no, The no, to the it came in out. In the
1: lineage of Sith, there was always a master and an apprentice, and the apprentice kills the master. Yeah, and yeah.
0: Him. So, so that like. I was actually kind like, I didn't like that Palpatine was back, but once I saw that his plan was, like, get Rey here, do this ceremony where she basically, like, he, he's already technically immortal because he's been keeping himself, like, half alive as a zombie in this weird, first of all, that machine was fucking rad. Mm-hmm. Like, the weird, like, <laughs> arm thing that just holds him up with his lifeless body. I was actually, like, all right, that's freaky as shit and i'm kind of down with whatever this visual thing is didn't like the idea but i like the visual of it anyways this idea of like you doing the act to take my life like the jedi when they they sort of become they truly become one with the force when they die and they sort of just evaporate and become part of the force new people can then you know Thousands of generations live on in you. That whole thing, you can commune with the Force. It's sort of like in in The Last Airbender, where, like, Aang can go into this, like, meditative state and actually commune with the previous avatars throughout this line of history to get wisdom and stuff like that. That's sort of like a Jedi to- type of thing that's happening. Um, but with the Sith, they have to kill the person to make that person be within them or whatever is going on. That was actually cool. And I was kind of mm-hmm. down with this, like, build up this rage in Ray to make her strike you down. I
1: mean, that's Return of the Jedi, too, though, right? Like, he's literally done this move before. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, like, that's... But that's totally fine. Yeah, he's got I'm, one I'm move. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on board with that one move. Like, that was cool. I was I was down for where that was going. But it definitely seemed like, in the story we're presented with, this dyad thing is new information that it took the Emperor 50 years to figure out mm. <laughs> whatever, right? So I, I don't know. I, I, Yeah, it just seems very strange to me.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like definitely in the leaks before, like, the idea was that all of this saga has been a grand thing of him trying to get this dyad, like, trying to get it, because that would be the total power boost that would really bring him back to full lightning capabilities. Yeah. Like, the full insane lightning capabilities that we've never seen before.
0: Which also, like, I'm theoretically fine with the idea of he's so powerful he can shoot lightning into, into space and then hit all the ships. I'm not cool with the idea... That it doesn't touch any of the star destroyers, mm-hmm. unless he were to specifically say,
1: "I built these star destroyers with a
0: special electrified
1: <laughs> fence that protects them." Because no, it, he's just so force powerful, he knows how to target all of them.
0: Because, 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 and that's the thing too is he's not individually hitting each ship. He's firing to one central location, which is raiding in and out like those little bulbs that you hit your hand on, mm-hmm. and then it like goes into your hands. It, it, it just, it just seems strange that he can just hit the 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 rebel crafts and not not the death star or the the star destroyers
1: yeah i agree i I, so i think this is a place where me having believed i knew what was going to happen helped it because i think i filled in story that the movie does not give basically yeah like the movie reveal is like i'm your grandfather kill me ha i wanted you to not kill me (laughs) it's just like okay what are we doing um But the the general sketch of, like, he has been manipulating both of them this whole time and, like, that that is his plan is to somehow, like, drive them (laughs) together to his lair and maybe they have to be sufficiently powerful and filled with sufficient anger or whatever for him to feed off of it. You want
0: to hear the stupid explanation? Sure. This is my stupid explanation for this scene is he always could have just absorbed all of their life force and became young enough to walk again, right? But he didn't want to kill Rey. He wants her to eventually join him. Mm-hmm. But when there was two, he could just take half of each of their life force. <laughs>
1: so, so, <laughs> so he's really being generous.
0: <laughs> it was mostly like, I don't want to kill Rey. Ooh, I can half kill her. Mwah. Complete. <laughs> I,
1: I I do love that he like throws Ben just down t- just like i'm gonna do what your grandfather did to me <laughs> how do you like it That <laughs> when, when he climbed out in the end my audience literally just started laughing oh really
0: yeah i mean i i definitely knew it had to mirror the earlier stuff mm-hmm. um but it i think people cheered in in my audience yeah. i also had one asshole in the back who i pretty sure saw the movie the night before and like that crowd was really into it it was kind of like, remember remember at TIFF when there was that yar thing that kept yep. happening and you were like, I'm going to do it this time. It felt like that guy, if if he went back the next night and no one else did it except for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the scene where Ghost Luke catches the lightsaber as he tries to throw it into the, the craft, he just went, whoa, like super loud in the back of the theater and everybody else is like, bro, mm-hmm. calm the fuck down.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's talk about the, the – since you brought up Ben falling mm-hmm. down the pit, let's talk about the Ben transition yeah. from Kylo to Ben. Um, no, Kylo Ren is dead. Ben is very much alive. Mm. Let's talk about that whole turn, that yeah. whole the the, the – first of all, I mean, the everything from Leia force-projecting herself into Kylo's mind and then using – basically exerting the rest of her life force and – Ultimately dying, um, the moment of hesitation for Ben getting killed, Ray bringing him back, did that work for? I mean, I know you knew that chain of events from the spoilers in the moment of the film. Did it still work for you equally it, it, it well? It
1: did. I, I think that was one of the most successful parts of the movie for me because, again, you had for one the presence of Leia in the rest of the movie. Felt awkward to me. Like, I get it. I get why they did it. This was supposed to be Carrie Fisher's movie. It makes sense. You know, JJ can't control the fact that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, but it felt like they were kind of doing a weekend at Bernie's type thing where they were like, we're going to make her be interacting with everybody, but she's only got like canned lines that we had from previous movies. Yeah. And and it felt like, oh, why are you doing it this way? So compared to that, her just having this moment of, force pushing where it's a silent it's a wordless thing that still means a lot and then leads to her you know her actual death in the movie yeah i thought that was like a beautiful way to handle that scene and it worked really well and the one-two punch of that with harrison ford's presence right after that as the memory of his father yeah. turning him and at that moment he has been touched by ray's kindness right so you kind of had like that triple whammy of like like my mom reached out to me ray healed me when she didn't have to and now i'm re-litigating the event the conversation i had with my father in the first movie of this trilogy but now i know what i have to do instead of killing you it's that i have to turn to the light totally well done i think that was all great that is like the core of the really good movie that was here did it all have to happen in the span of like two minutes on that bridge i don't know i think a better movie would have given me more time to have kylo be hateful first and more of this middle period where he's still trying to figure out the transition rather than speeding it up to i'm gonna kill her i'm gonna kill her drop my lightsaber she heals me which at the moment bad idea this dude is killing all sorts of people you know why don't heal him until there's an inkling that he might be savable you know um but all that aside, like, I, I like what this movie did with that, even if it feels a little too rushed.
0: Yeah, so so I, I really, really liked it in in the moment and still continuing on forward. I mean, I, I think that I might be doing some extra heavy force lifting that the film isn't expressly stating. Mm. Um, but for me, I really like this journey between these two people because Kylo Ren has always been, as for as long as we have watched him in the series, he has been kill anything that is powerful Because I want to be the most powerful. I mean, if you even look at his Knights of Ren, this is his guard. Yeah. None of them are force users, right? They're just really good soldiers. Mm -hmm. He is still choosing as his elite squad of people. I... They're supposed to have come from the Jedi temple, right? I think temple, so. right? We talked about this. Yeah, I'm yeah. not
1: positive, but I think they did.
0: So, like, it seems like because he, he destroyed most of the people and then he took some of those. Maybe he doesn't allow them to use force power. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, or maybe they were so too young and didn't have the ability to learn because he wasn't going to train anybody. He feels like the person that's like the force is strong and I want to be the only one who wields it mm-hmm. because I want to be the most powerful person. And it's sort of his goal to be that this bond that he has with ray is a thing that confuses him it's mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily the thing that is like like ray constantly says like there is conflict in him he is not purely evil mm-hmm. he there's other things holding on and that 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 bond he doesn't know how to deal with it and to him his idea is like it's it's not making him want to be good it's making him want to make ray join him instead of kill her mm-hmm. as as a thing that like we are linked in some way. I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like we should be ruling together. And it's what she, what what he actually wants. So when he is fighting her, it is not with the intention of killing her. It is with beating her into submission mm-hmm. to realizing that she can't... Like, he wants to get to the state where he can say, I am stronger, but together we can be stronger. And she kind of wants to kill him like she sees good in him but she also knows that he's bad and doesn't want to join him and she's scared that she will join him and Mm -hmm. that's like the conflict she's in so he doesn't the conflict he has is do i actually want to rule alone or be with somebody or have somebody else to rule with and her conflict is oh shit i don't want to join him and that fighting the longer they fight for manifests in a more violent thing
1: that explains why he's saying that being a live song at the end of this movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, is isn't a lie.
0: <laughs> but so, so it, it, it just, there's something interesting happening there. And I, and the, the extra heavy lifting that I think I was doing is that, so you don't watch The Mandalorian. No, nope, not yet. <laughs> um, The Mandalorian doesn't have a direct tie-in with this film, but the latest episode was released on Wednesday instead of Friday, so it could come out beforehand. And in that show the child uses force healing as a power. Mm. So it feels to me like they push that forward to pre-establish historically that force healing is a thing that happens. The child, or Baby Yoda as people call him on the internet, um, as we know, know... yeah, so, so he can't talk or anything. So there's no explanation of how he's doing the force healing. Mm-hmm. When Rey in the cave, when they're looking for the guy, heals the worm, she specifically says, I transferred some of my life force yep. into this creature. So yep. she explains this healing method as literally moving my energy into that person. Yeah,
1: That, that was a good little nugget of like, let me give this exposition that you're going to need to know later when it yeah. would be too awkward for us to tell you. Yeah.
0: So it's like, it feels like the Mandalorian was released early so that we can accept Mm-hmm. force healing as a thing in general so that when we first say it, we don't go like, what? Since when can people force heal? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, baby Yoda can force heal. Must be great. I don't know why my voice is almost half a Yoda impression <laughs> and half like a nerd person. But uh, um, anyways, so so it's like the Mandalorian comes out early so that we accept force healing as a thing that happens. Ray does her initial force healing. So we go like, ah, force healing works by transferring some of your energy into the object. And then when she heals Kylo Ren, it is – there is more significant – It's. I, I don't think it is just solely the, uh, the mercy that she shows him that makes him, like, even more confused. It's he is feeling her life force mm-hmm. within her, which is also why I think later when he heals her, he's literally just transferring it back to her. Right. And that's why he dies, because he takes the only thing that kept him alive – which was the energy she transferred to him and gives it back to her and then re dies himself, which is why like that whole chain felt like very, very cohesive. Yeah. And it felt like a perfect journey for all those characters because it was like, it was the feeling of it. He, he always had the potential to be light cause he was originally being trained to light, but this hatred blocked him once all the hatred was lifted. And he had that moment of weakness caused by Leia appearing to him. And then that moment of feeling the energy of the light inside him, I think that is the thing that like made him realize that that's what he could have. Yeah. And like that, I, I just think that is a very beautiful sort of experience for those two characters to go on. Once again, it has nothing to do with what's going on in the galaxy as a whole. Mm-hmm. But for them, this journey, I think, was really, really cohesive and strong.
1: I, I agree. And I was trying to think of what how this differs from my criticism of The Last Jedi, where also I think the ray kylo storyline is the one that matters and the rest doesn't really work um but the difference is in the last Jedi. i feel like even while the other storylines didn't totally work they didn't feel meaningless either like there were at least character arcs they were individually going on that yeah. even when the plot was kind of dumb and it was like a little bit too you know especially what was that called canto bite where they yeah, go to yeah, it, that, that was that like planet yeah, the canonical example to me of like a place that just like you could take that all out and nothing would have changed in the movie but at least like then their characters are learning a thing about themselves like they're changing so in, so in
0: the, this oh. the code breaker they were trying to get benicio del toro or whoever it was mm-hmm. uh that was just to break the tracking that they had that let them track through subspace jumps? Is that the idea? I don't even idea? remember. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I yeah. don't remember either.
1: I'm not even sure. Um, but if I compare that to this movie, it is very similar where the, the Rey-Kylo plot is the one that matters. But the other ones don't even mean anything to the characters that are there. Yeah. And that's what feels weird. It, it feels... Th- this movie feels like in like season three of Arrested Development when they're making the joke about running out of budget and they're like, "What are you talking about?" And they open the kitchen like cabinet, and there's just one granola bar there that he reaches and grabs. <laughs> it feels like the whole rest of the universe is one big Truman show to prop up this one thing that's happening for them. Yeah. And that that is what I didn't like. Like nobody else feels real or fleshed out or really given their due in this movie. And well, that is the more frustrating thing. So
0: that's that's the thing too is. The way that the end of The Last Jedi is sort of set up is that, like, these last ships, it's like Battlestar Galactica, right? It's like these ships are now the last of the Resistance, right? Mm -hmm. These are all that's left. There might be pockets of people here and there, but the last of the organized forces are now on the run and on top of that, the, the First Order has the ability to track them wherever they go. So it literally becomes Battlestar Galactica, where they jump to one system and they wait X number of seconds before the First Order appears and then they jump away to another system. And that's just their life now. Mm-hmm. The end of this film, though, just pretends like there's a bunch of lazy ass motherfuckers who have just been hanging out on their own no, planet no, being this like, is Dunkirk. I don't want to get in. <laughs> It's Dunkirk. Yeah. But Dunkirk was not about fighting soldiers. It's, it's not about, a Navy. It's about... It's just
1: people. Remember, that's it's, like the big line in this movie. Yeah,
0: but but the ships, like, uh, Rylance's ship doesn't have guns on it, <laughs> right? He's just a ferry to get those people to the other place. At the end of this film, all the forces show up, like the end of fucking Endgame.
1: <laughs> mm, if you build it, come, they will.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is an example of, like, a... I think this movie mistakes aphorisms for themes, right? Like, there's more of us than there are of them. Um, that is a thing that is repeated in this movie, and it's given the visual at the end with all the people coming to the rescue. Yeah. But I don't really feel like it's propped up by the reality of the situation in any yeah. way. Um, yeah, but, but still, that part didn't bother me too much. I think—I was trying to think also because you were talking about— again, in criticizing this movie about how there's this one plot and you could take out everyone, but I assume you mean Emperor Palpatine, Rey, and Kylo, and everyone else could go. Is, is Palpatine your third? You said three yeah, people. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: Palpatine was the yeah. third.
1: And I, I agree with that. I, I was trying to figure out why I don't say the same thing about Lord of the Rings, where in the pivotal moment, it's basically Frodo, Samwise, and uh, Gollum. Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a whole mega c g i war going on elsewhere that arguably doesn't matter in light of this. It does because they're but they're all just trying to throw but, everything just to like do their little bit to help in the face of this grand thing i they're all basically like Hawkeye and Black Widow while like the Avengers are doing the real fighting and it's like we're still helping um and I think the difference again comes down to the character growth where in Lord of the Rings it means a lot to those people like in their head, this is the last stand and there's a fighting chance and this is what we're doing. Yeah. This movie does not give anyone nearly enough time to build to that kind of grandeur in what they're doing. It's just yeah. like, and fight. And, and then that's all it gives well, you.
0: So, so yeah. So, so they, they do the cop out method, which is, Oh, by the way, I know we already showed you uh, a thousand star destroyers. But you should also know that each of those Star Destroyers is a Death Star. Uh-huh. So they show you that like each one literally can blow up a world. And who knows if it's supposed to be like each ship has one shot and that's it. Because Poe has that line where he's like, Remember, everyone we seek is a world saved.
1: <laughs> Question. Can they move? And if so, why don't they just fly away a little when horses are running on them?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. Is be, without the transmission. Apparently apparently they can't fly when it's foggy (laughs) so so even though i mean i i don't know a lot about physics but i do know that if you're on the surface of the planet if you go straight up eventually you won't be on the surface of the planet (laughs) so if the problem is we don't know how to pilot into the stratosphere try just going up Maybe maybe they can only fly forward. But even forward, I mean, I know some people don't believe it, but most planets are round.
1: <laughs> well, in particular, too, they they go... Don't they do the horse riding to break the transmission? Yeah, yeah. So, like, why doesn't that ship, when people have boarded it, just Just, go like, like
0: bank sideways? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, or yeah, just light jump? Yeah, exactly. Well, cause it, yeah, because that was the command ship, right? Uh-huh. So they were... Well, so first... They were flying down to the surface and they were like, it was like that scene in Antitrust when they're trying to hack the satellites. And then, uh, what's his name is like, wait, they're trying to hack our satellites. Let's start turning them off. (laughs) It was basically like that. They were like, um, sir, there's some people coming in from the outer space. Uh, I wonder if they're trying to get that – trans turned down the transmitter, and then they switched it to the ship, and mm. that was when they decided to land on the ship. I see. Because originally they were just going to – I still don't know why they were just going to bomb it from the air. If they can bomb the guns from the air, why can't they bomb the satellite from the air? But mm. whatever.
1: Can we talk about I, – I mentioned before the I, – I like the force power in this movie, but it does bring other scenes into question. For instance – that whole, like, weird Sandmobile racing thing that happens early in this movie, all of our heroes are escaping from four stormtroopers. Four. Yeah. Four stormtroopers are chasing them. And they're doing this epic flight, trying to go around, try to get explosions. They're almost caught a few times. Moments later, Rey just pulls a whole ship with her hand out of the sky. Yeah. Why ain't she doing that with the stormtroopers? Why doesn't she just, like, throw them? It.
0: So part of the thing is that Ray doesn't have full control of her powers and most of it I think is in the moment mm. a it is it is like her reaching into something inside of her and wielding a power she doesn't quite understand so I don't think like when she's just running and she's not like technically like that was like no how do I stop the ship and then her trying to grab it it's mm. not it's it's not a total thing that she's like oh i'm just gonna pull down mountains all the time and so stuff. her
1: love of Chewie is more instinctive than her desire to not die yeah yep.
0: that's my explanation cool
1: <laughs>
0: um one more thing you just reminded me kind of in a reverse way of something i was going to say earlier when we were talking about the leia arc in this film mm-hmm. what i do love about the way they did use leia in this story is that because there's time jumps between all of the stories that we watch, and some of them can be like many, many years, like in between these two, tri- the, or the middle trilogy, the original trilogy, which takes place chronologically in the middle, and the most recent trilogy, which takes place after that, is when you see things like Leia pull herself back in from space, like part of you goes like, yeah, I know she's force sensitive, like she knows when other people get hurt, like in the original trilogy, but... How much force does she actually know? Mm-hmm. You forget that there were years where she was just training with Luke before yep. she got pregnant. Yep. So, like, it, it it is... What I do like is that these little flashbacks exist in this story to make you rethink, like, yeah, she was probably super strong with the force by yeah. now because she had all that time with luke after that other battle was over where they could spend time actually honing her skills and the only thing that made her become uh, a general instead of just being uh, an actual fighter is that she had a child and wanted to protect that and then stay back while she was trying to raise the kid like yeah. it 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 adds extra context for why she could be training uh Ray at the beginning of the story and that's stuff that we desperately missed if you aren't somebody who reads all the legacy stuff and or the legends comics mm-hmm. and all the other books and crap like that like that's information that we don't really think about as just film watchers because that was never presented to us and going back and seeing like that flashback, where like Luke and Leia are like brawling in the suits, like that was fucking badass. Like yep. you, you get like four seconds of it, yeah. but man, it's like man, I would have loved to see scenes of them training like when they were younger. And, and,
1: and I also think that was a really good example of, uh, I, probably it's not even de aging; it's just full on CG. But yeah, that, yeah. that tech there worked great because it was short, it was wordless, it was harkening back to like an old time. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. I did not think when. It is modern-day Carrie Fisher. It was nearly as effective. That I got way more Irishman vibes there.
0: Well, so, so most of her stuff is archival footage. Mm-hmm. So stuff they had already filmed. They clearly
1: were doing things to like rejigger her body yeah, so they, she would be like in the right place at the right yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And that felt a little forced to me. And the archival part also. I was trying to remember the name of those... like. Th- there used to be like physical boards you would get, like a soundboard or something, or there'd be apps where it'd be like a celebrity with like different voice oh, yeah, you could yeah. hit to do prank calls and stuff. Or, or like if you're it's in basically a, like Bumblebee's voice box, where yeah, it's like or, or little clips like, from other movies, like in, in a TV show or a movie or whatever, where the kid is like sneaking out and so they have a, like a tape thing playing in their bed to answer their mom's questions, and yeah, it just yeah. goes like, Come back later. Ha <laughs> ha no I'm fine. Like and and then eventually they realize oh this is just fake. Yeah. It felt very stilted in this movie to me when Ray is trying to have heart-to-heart moments with her and and she's like but where will you go?
0: I'll always be here. <laughs> Elliot.
1: <laughs> Never underestimate a droid. Like it, it really it just felt like it 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 really felt like they had to Go, like, World of Tomorrow Part 2 or whatever, where they were just like, we are going to, like, orchestrate this whole movie around phrases that we got. The line of dialogue that we have, yeah. And I I kind of—I understand why they did it, and it's, like, it it is good for this to be Leia's movie, but I feel like that patchwork way of making it happen— compared to those little wordless flashbacks, was just not effective. I wish they had just kept it all flashback and, like, in the beginning of this movie, maybe Leia's already on her deathbed, right? And her last yeah. action could still be to reach out to Kylo, but we don't have to see her trying to, like, mentor Rey with this kind of, like, cobbled-up version of a of a movie character. Yeah.
0: I, I also don't like that... She after she force projects, she doesn't immediately evaporate. They wait till Kylo disappears to have her disappear at the same time as if it's some like both of them are gone now. Yeah. I just felt like keeping her under that shroud with just like Maz Kanata and R2 D two watching over her just felt like it felt like a very unnecessary thing just so that they could both uh go to the force at the same time.
1: I'm I'm okay with it because I think the, these movies have established that jedis are like ghosts where like they they linger until their purpose is served and then they yeah. evaporate and so her purpose was like a thousand percent tied up in you know ben basically yeah all right i'll
0: accept that those that was, that was good answers steve
1: yeah. thank you i can yeah now poe and rose that to me is like pose po? yeah <laughs> pose anyone who is shipping pose um <laughs> That like to me that is one of the most blatant like rollover for fans and just undo a thing Ryan Johnson did because Rose is not in this movie. Like like she is seen a couple times for no more than two seconds at a time yeah. saying like, Good luck. And and that is it. And not only that, but Poe even gets another character who is basically a hinted romantic subplot which wait, i so agree
0: i'm talking about rose and finn finn sorry yeah, yeah. Finn. yeah not but, po. so poe also has his own thing for the people who wanted like ray and poe to be a thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: he also gets another person so I, I just wanted to make sure we were talking about the same thing but yeah so uh finn wait no no what finn and rose
1: yeah yeah, yeah you're right yeah you're right. finn
0: and rose are a thing yep. but some people wanted well, so, I mean, obviously, there, so there's the bromance the people ship. Yep, there is the Finn and Rose thing, which was established, mm-hmm. and now in this film, Finn gets a new girl who has the same backstory as him. Yep, so that they can be a thing. Yeah, yeah, and Rose is stuck back on the. There's literally a scene where she's like, "Oh my God, you're still there! I'm gonna come for you!" And he goes, "No, don't come for me. I'm doing something else." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, you'll <laughs> see like ghosts are in the middle of an epic battle. Yeah, and
1: and, and not not only that, like they do even more because uh, Finn also is b- about to profess his love to Rey, like toward the beginning of this movie too. So I feel like they just a hundred percent like throw Rose under the bus. She just doesn't exist at all anymore. Yeah, I
0: so I don't know. I feel like there is some cut somewhere else where they kept it in because they liked the banter between um uh Finn and Poe. Mm. Um, and it just it seems weird that whole like before we go in the San like that just felt like uh, it was like playing back to a trope that doesn't need to be there, but they mm-hmm. did it just for fun. It felt like they went out of their way to make sure if there was a single corner of the Internet anywhere where somebody could ship a character, there was something to give them to hold on to in the yeah. story. But they were giving it to everybody. So it felt super cheesy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I did kind of like I, I forget. The, what is the name of Poe's new girl the one that you like it's
0: yeah it's uh zori it's zori yeah Yeah.
1: zori i did like the wordless exchange they have at the end of this movie that was was a good bit of comedy
0: so shall we yeah (laughs) (laughs) so here's the thing too is is i i liked her her character was cool Um, I like that he has this backstory where he wasn't always this cool resistance guy. He was like a spice runner and all this kind of stuff. He's even
1: more Han, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is basically what we thought of him as before. But what I really think is so dumb, so, so... Like, first of all, we talk about him being Han. The solo movie, we hate all the cheesy shit of like, one day I'm going to do this and we're going to get off this planet, but then I'm going to betray you. And then like... They have this interaction where she's like, one day I'm going to leave this planet. I'm going to go to any star system I want. He's like, but you can't do that, baby. How will you ever do that? She's like, I have this medallion. It lets me get everywhere in the galaxy with no questions asked. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. And then two seconds later, he's like, how are we going to get out of here? She's like, take my medallion. Does he ever use it? They, they used to get off the planet. That's okay. how they get on to the other ship, oh, okay. which is fine. Yeah. But it's like they introduce this this like the world's worst MacGuffin mm-hmm. to this, this like magical medallion that gets them anywhere. And then the First Order blows up her planet. She gave the ticket off her planet. The one thing that lets them get off the planet, she gave to him so that they can get off the planet. They blow up her planet. And then instead of having her – because the first thing that happens when they built the planet, I was like, oh, dude – is Zori dead? <laughs> and then she shows up at the end on her ship with no explanation of mm-hmm. how she got off the planet. It's like you 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 went out of your way to explain that this medallion is the only way she'll ever get to leave this planet, and then you have her show up after the planet's been destroyed. That doesn't make sense, right? That is the planet that got blown up, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it must be another Kajimi. <laughs>
0: It just—it made me so mad. Like I was like, no, like I'm glad she's back. Like I'll happily watch like the the Poe and Zori Bliss uh, right. side movie that's going to come eventually on Disney Plus. But it just—I was so mad that she was alive, not because I wanted her to be dead, but because it just didn't fucking make sense.
1: Yeah, no, it it, it definitely didn't make sense at all. <sighs> so can we talk about Chewbacca? Because that, to me, is the ultimate example of the movie just having no backbone. Like, you (laughs) killed every other major character from the original trilogy. Kill Chewbacca. Let her live with that guilt. Let that be a real thing. What do you have to lose? Like, what are you holding him out for at this point?
0: And and here's the thing, too, is having that penalty for her use of Palpatine's power is another misdirect about... Letting you not focus on the fact that it was lightning and tying that to Palpatine, but letting you worry about the tragedy of what just happened, mm-hmm. as opposed to piecing together that, like, wait, lightning, Palpatine yeah. is the only person we've seen with lightning before. Or is she Palpatine? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it just feels like it, it weakens everything, and I don't know why. Because yeah. this this franchise is not afraid to kill major players. Now, granted, they only do one per movie, but still, yeah. like, for the most part, they're okay with it. Why not, like... <laughs> The fact again, it—I I swear to God—the time between her thinking she killed him and the audience knowing he's alive is like fifteen seconds. Like yeah. the movie does not wait at all to reveal that. It's like, don't worry, don't worry, don't cry, kids. Chewie's and, still
0: alive. And, and the worst part too is she doesn't go like, "Oh my God, Chewie's alive! I can sense him on that ship." She goes, "Chewie's on that ship." <laughs> like Just... it's like as if at that point in time they knew he was still alive. Mm-hmm. It was like a weird editing mistake. But really, this, this film. Does this multiple times as I mentioned? It's with Cory uh, or Zori. Um, we, I at least thought she was dead, and then suddenly she's back. Um, the Chewbacca one, but the one even more than Chewbacca, the one that made me the most mad was fucking C three PO. This mother, this stupid piece of shit plot <laughs> is the dumbest thing. So first. He goes, oh, Sith, I can read Sith. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. I know exactly where the thing is that you're looking for. But my programming says I can't tell you. I will do not tell you then. And then everybody's like, you stupid bastard. And they have to kill him. I have been watching this trailer before every movie I've seen for a long time. And every fucking time that trailer has that scene where he goes, I'm just taking one last look at my friends. I cry. Every single time (laughs) that trailer plays, I cry. I'm like, this is going to be fucking incredible. I don't know why he matters, but... Every time I hear that line in the trailer, it makes me tear up. Uh, And then fucking in the movie, it's because he won't go against his programming and they have to erase him to hard reboot. First of all, do you know how to erase a computer except for like the six bits that contain the location of something? So I
1: think it's. Yeah, so that's weird. It's more like his operating system that would have to change, right? And his memory would still be there. So I don't know why his memory is also gone.
0: Yeah, because I don't know if... Because, I mean, maybe I missed something, but I'm pretty sure the dagger and the sentence the dagger says are stored in his memory. So if they have to delete his memory so that he can translate this thing... When they, like, why did they not just go, okay, cool, you don't have to translate it. Can you just write Show exactly us. what it said in Sith? Mm. And then we'll take that to somebody else who can translate it? Like, it. and why would Babu Frick, or whatever the hell his name is, <laughs> Babu Frick, why would Babu Frick not be like, cool, let me just back him up first <laughs> and then wipe
1: him? <laughs> like, See, wh- that part doesn't bother me at all. I what bothers me at all, what bothers me is that you get the supposed emotional moment of him deciding that he's willing to do this for the sake of the universe. And then R2, again, is like, bur, 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 and then he just gives him, I don't but, know why R2 is blue from Blue's Clues. <laughs> 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 but R2 is just like, oh, I'll back him up. And then like the meaning of that is gone. But that's completely. the thing
0: is, Poe's even like, what, R2 doesn't back up your memory? And he's like, I wouldn't trust R2 for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's like Which I thought that was a funny callback to R2 always withholding info in all the movies. <laughs> but that, But it's dumb that
0: it's like, somebody's going to say, what about R2 backing him up? And then they're going to put one line that's going to forgive it. But Babu Frick, like, he works on droids all the time. Like, he doesn't have an extra hard drive laying around that he could back up C-3PO to. I just, it just didn't, didn't fucking, uh. oh, there's not even like a different, 3PO, I don't know which designation is the one that means translator. Um, it's not C or 3 or See, P or I, I O. I can't
1: put my finger on it, but I feel like there is another movie where a very similar thing happens with a robot person who's willing to do something that'll make them forget all of their memory for the sake of... Chappie? <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I don't remember what it is. It's not Chappie.
0: No, but that's fine, though. I just, I just think that, like, this is the last of this saga. There is no reason to keep anybody alive. You can't... Upset people more than you did with this film, just fucking kill everyone. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> no, definitely. And again, like Chewie and C three PO, they're like not even hard people to kill, right? They're not yeah. like it isn't like people are going to be like. But what about the Chewie movie when he's twelve thousand years old? Like that, that doesn't matter, right? Like they can always go back and do prequels with those characters if they want. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like all of the original characters should have died at least.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely seems like everybody should just become force ghosts or something. I mean, like, like the only thing that's good about this trilogy is Kylo Ren and Rey, and you killed fifty percent of that. <laughs> Why can't you let C3PO die? Like, half this movie is spent with people joking about how they fucking hate him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they bring him back at the end, and it's like, thank God you're back.
1: What's weird, too, to me is he tells them very directly, the only way you could make me read this is by a very dangerous procedure, which will make me lose all my memory and reset. And there's the joke where they're all like, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Like, they don't care.
0: Finn goes, yeah, yeah, let's do that one. Yeah,
1: and then they get to Bobo Freak, and then he tells them, and they're like, wait, so he's going to lose his memory? <laughs> See, buddy, what do you want to do? Like, it, It's like they forgot they already told us. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That, that, that one made me... Like, at least with the... The Chewbacca one is established that there was multiple uh, ships that he could have been on either one and they make the assumption that he's dead um well so no one like runs over to the wreckage and i mean i guess kylo ren was right there and she would have to fight him again um but yeah it just it it, i could i could sort of forgive the chewy thing at first but once it started happening repeatedly throughout the story of things or people theoretically being dead and then coming back it just started to make me mad Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah i agree But I do like the force binding, the force battles. Like, the way that physical things get involved here, too, I think is really cool. Like... Uh, Kylo pulls out Ray's necklace, and Ray and Kylo are having a fight. And like she smashes something, and he sees it, and then he smashes something, and she sees it. Like, yeah. I don't even care how it works. I, re- I really like the visuals yeah, of that. that. That to me was some of the most inventive stuff in the yeah, movie.
0: Yeah, that, that was like incredible. Like, just f- from a storytelling t- standpoint, and from like a we are watching it, it is being visualized to us, the audience, but we're not seeing what they are seeing. We're seeing like the ramifications of this interaction between them and yeah like when he grabs the necklace and that's how he finds out where she is um and like little bits of dust and stuff or the helmet landing there and he's like fuck she's in my quarters go now like all that like i was just like this is the coolest thing that has ever happened in star wars Mm -hmm. and i love this um and it's just funny that like that amazingness sits in a film that is has so much bad um so you ready to hear my idea for Star Wars Rise yes. of Skywalker? All right. So, what my story is, is either a post credit sequence um, at the end of uh, The Last Jedi, or the opening of this film is that transmission where Palpatine announces that he's here. You get the reaction of both, um, you know, Rey, uh, Poe, Leia, all those people, and you get the reaction of of Kylo as he sees the message. And basically, they both begin a race to get to um, Elecron, whatever the fuck. Exegol. Exegol. So they are both... So it becomes like a Tomb Raider film Mm -hmm. where both characters are trying to beat the other person to the next clue. And at each location, there is an encounter between them. And they have to try to escape each other. Not this... I've already found it, and when I made it there, he told me I should bring him Rey, and now mm-hmm. I start trying to kill her. Like, forget all this stupid subplot and forget the galaxy war. Have it be this person announced that he is eminently coming to take over the galaxy, and one person wants to stop him because he wants to take over the galaxy, and someone else wants to stop him because she thinks that's her duty, and they are competing to find both the, um, the Wayfinder and... And to get to the location it's going. So then you can still have it be this, like, skipping around the galaxy as they search for clues. But it stops being this thing where it's like, I don't know, Luke searched for, like, 50 years and couldn't find nothing. Oh, <laughs> he didn't fall into the sand pit like we did. Oh, here's <laughs> the answer. Like, it wouldn't have this dumb series of steps. It would be, like, find this old Jedi temple. And then, or treasure. Sith, yeah, it'd be national treasure. Like, that would be great. And then because that is a trope of one of those National Treasure type type movies is you have the bad guys who are looking for the same thing that the good guys are, and they keep encountering each other, or one person's just one step ahead, or maybe Ray finds the Wayfinder first, but then Kylo uh, knocks her down and takes it and says, join me, and she's like, no, and then he flies away, and then she has to find him, and it becomes this back and forth game of trying to get to uh, Palpatine first. And then when they get there, that's when they see that this huge crazy army is there, and they both are getting all of the information at the same time. And then, like, I just think that would be a stronger uh, experience where they will be the focal point as opposed to, oh, no one wants to help us fight a war in the galaxy. Just kidding, everybody's here, and we have way more ships than they have. Mm-hmm. Surprise! I guess we should have been fighting this war in the first place. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I I agree. I, I think that would be better. I guess. They wanted the the one big bad rather than the two, right? So they yeah. wanted somehow for Kylo and the Emperor to be on the same side, and the 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 Order is just one, even though it's the first and the last Order, like final. Yeah, first yeah. and final Order. Yeah, like they they wanted to glue them together, so it would be like just one big bad guy. But I I do agree that <laughs> I did I did laugh so hard when he's like, "We will find the final Order." That <laughs> was just like, "Well, you've got to be fucking kidding me, right?" Like. That, They're they're also – well, it's funny for a bunch of reasons. One is like first order I don't think means like nothing has existed before us. It's like you're first in the food chain, like you're on top.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're the primary order.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there's a – so – I, f- I feel like the movie plays almost like what you said, even though the plot doesn't justify it. Like they do keep running into each other. And even though I know in my brain, Kylo is looking for her, I kind of kept forgetting that and thinking like, oh yeah, they're both trying to get to these things in time. Yeah. I, I don't even know why that is how I felt it. Just like that is how the movie beats feel, even though the plot doesn't justify it at all. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I just think one hunting the other more than what we got here would be more interesting, but
1: yeah. Yeah i agree
0: um can we talk about uh hux being a spy sure (laughs) did that like uh that made me so mad like i knew it was going to happen before it happened like not not like, like instinctively i was like this fucker says he's a spy i'm just gonna lose my shit and he's like i know because I'm the spy. <laughs> and I'm just like, you stupid bastard. And then he just died. Like, why wouldn't he immediately jump on the ship with them? Right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm the spy. And also, uh, I'm defecting. <laughs> Help me.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what purpose that serves because they just introduced Richard E. Grant's general to do everything Hux would have done anyway. <laughs> yeah. So like, why not just make it be Hux and let him stay bad till the end? Doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. But yeah. it doesn't matter. It's, this does remind me, though, going back to what you said before about, like, all these ships coming in the end and the idea of, like, hope has been restored. Like, they needed a rallying cry. They needed a message. That is the exact arc of the second movie. Like, that's the exact arc of The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. There was no hope in the galaxy. Luke died to bring hope back. And now hope has been restored. And we see kids training to be Jedi. We see, like, not training. But, you know, we, yeah, we yeah. see all these things where They're grooming to be Jedi. Yeah, characters finally have hope again. And then this movie starts and Poe is just like, there's no hope in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is that too late?
0: That is like the the typical joke about Star Wars, is characters just saying the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Let's see. Is there anything else on my list? Um, oh, there's only one, one last complaint I have uh, about lineage mm-hmm. in this story. Um, so we've already talked about how annoying it is that each of our characters who are already in like... L- theoretical relationships are introduced to new characters or old characters that talk about relationships they had in the past. So Finn, when they land on the planet where the Death Star 2 exploded and became a thing, mm-hmm. uh, meets a nice young woman who was also a drop trooper um, on the storm Stormtrooper Guild, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, their whole team defected, and they have a very similar story about how they were both kidnapped when they were very, very young, um, and you're like... All right, cool, fine, he can have a stormtrooper girlfriend, I guess, that's fine. Nobody on the internet liked uh, Rose anyways, so sure, do your thing. And then fucking at the end of the movie, she comes waddling over to Lando and goes, oh, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from this place, Uh, what about you? And she's like, I don't really remember. And then he's like, well, maybe we should find out then. And it's like, their age difference is too much for her reaction to be a flirty reaction. So I'm like, okay, so you're her dad.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're you're her you're, you're her dad and now you're going to go off on an adventure to prove like figure out that you're her I, I don't understand what that whole like, I, I don't know that it has to be dad, but that did play really weird. It's it's definitely dad. Like there's mm. like that's the only thing that makes sense, which is like so dumb. Like it's mm. the, it's the most obnoxious fucking extra coda to this film where it's like and also Finn's going to be related by law to
1: Lando. I mean, historically, Lando is a player, though. So maybe maybe he is into inappropriate relationships and that was a sexual thing. Maybe. I don't know.
0: It just seemed very, very, very strange.
1: That was an example, one of a few, where people ask questions only so the thing can happen. Like like when Solo has to give his name in Solo, yeah. you know, that groan-worthy moment. Like, <laughs> Ray, it's set up earlier in the movie when someone is like... And what is your family name? Just so she can be like, I. I just, don't, just Ray. I'm just Ray. It, it, just so at the end, like, she gets to a planet and immediately someone's like, people I haven't been here in a while. What's your name?
0: But that's the the dumb thing is he went – she went to fucking Skywalker's home where he grew up. How is that not like – I mean, I guess everybody got killed at that little place anyways. But I just – I feel like if you live in that building, you know that its previous owners were called Skywalker. Mm. And if you're just like, no one's been here for so many years. What's your name? The only people I ever knew of was the owners of this home and their name was Skywalker
1: probably no relation <laughs> like it just it does. <laughs> i just don't yeah like they're the most famous people in the galaxy <laughs> like if just, she's trying to have ridiculous. a low profile well so one thing i couldn't tell too is she is this the end of ray being a jedi no so so she i cuz what's that third lightsaber she has she created
0: her own lightsaber by combining pieces from the uh luke and leia's lightsaber and then buried the rest of their sabers i oh, think
1: okay like do we know she created that i don't remember them showing me that i just saw her burying the two lightsabers and then pulling out a yellow one <laughs> yeah so the other one
0: is like her new lightsaber we don't see any scenes related to that but i think we're just supposed to assume that that's her own custom lightsaber like she forged her own way i don't know maybe she found a kyber crystal or something um mm-hmm. But it just – I yeah, there's no real explanation of it. But I think the idea is that she is going to continue on as a a Jedi. She is burying their sabers because there's no bodies to bury because they all disappeared. Yeah. Um, And she is now forging forth with her own saber, um, which seemed very symmetrical. So no idea if it's going to be a double-sided. But she definitely only opens one side of it at Mm. first. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I – I felt like the movie was pushing toward, you know, we're bringing balance to the force. And the major revelation of this whole Skywalker saga, kind of like Game of Thrones and breaking the wheel, right, is that, like, as long as this is the dynamic, there's just going to be, like, a big harm that comes with the big good, too. So, like, the last of the Sith and the last of the Jedi, you know, all of the Sith are contained in Palpatine, all the Jedi are contained in her, and they're going to fight and then oh, he's going to be dead and she's going to be almost dead and now maybe the reign of man is going to continue or something, right? That was what I was bringing into the movie of, like, now she's returning to the desert planet and this is where she's going now. Like, but she's that done her job. Her hero's journey is complete. And so then taking a lightsaber and naming herself after the people who, like... Are the most famous lineage whose saga this is wrapping up? It just seemed kind of weird to me. Well, I mean,
0: she is the rise of the name Skywalker because right. she's carrying it on as as the legend that it it should be. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit silly altogether, but you reminded me of one more thing that I desperately need to complain about. Um, spoilers for uh, the third rebooted Apes film coming. <laughs> be careful um uh, so one of the things i hated about that final story is you have this huge like all of the forces left are all fighting each other in this one moment and then an avalanche just takes everyone out and it's sort of like kind of we're just ending it all with a a violent act that just kind of kills everything and things might continue on in the future with a few survivors but we're basically trying to like wipe everything clean with a literal wiping of something Mm -hmm. the thing that we talked about earlier which is when they first arrive at the sith planet of exegol there is a huge stadium coliseum with all of these sith robed chanting, trying to perform this ritual while he will be transported into the body of Rey, and their spirits will do some dance, and then, boom, most powerful Sith in the history of all Sith kind. Um, That image is very, very striking. You have thousands of star destroyers coming out of the ice. You have probably like 65, I don't know how much in like a Roman Colosseum fit, but like, let's just pretend like it's a modern day stadium, like 65 to 135 to 100,000 Sith in these places, all watching this battle unfold, like going, like yeah, this is fucking crazy. I love being the Sith, it's great. X right, guys. And then all of a sudden, like, not only does Ray like knock out the thing, but this violent explosion of electricity causes these rocks to come and just kill all of the Sith.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like really. <laughs> and we don't. The thing is, we don't even know what they could have done, right? Because none of them try to help out or do anything, right? Yeah. They just sit there chanting.
0: Yeah, but it just, I just. I mean, I mean, really, maybe they were trying to do for for uh, him what all of the past generations of Jedi were doing for Rey. Oh, yeah. Like all maybe there's to... another
1: version of this movie where he's the inspirational one and like <laughs> all of his friends are helping him.
0: Yeah, they're always like, a thousand generations of Sith living on you, Palpatine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was kind of ridiculous that like, really? Like, okay, sure, kill all the ships. But like, you're going to kill... All of the Sith in one little avalanche that well, you conveniently know one
1: survived and is going to climb out of the rubble and make a new trilogy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe, but it just uh, that made yeah. me so that made me so mad, like I, so mad. Just
1: a, a thing that I find funny with that whole dynamic too is. The the common complaint about Snoke in the last movie is he was built up as this big bad, you know, terrifying thing in the universe, and then he just dies, right? He gets cut in half. Like, oh, the big bad's gone. What are we going to do now? And I get because that was the second movie. It was a little more shocking because where is the trilogy going to go now? And this movie does some to justify it by being like Snoke was a literal puppet. Don't worry. All the power behind him still exists. It's the Emperor. I think except for the fact that this is the third movie it is exactly the same, where the Emperor is all talk and then gets a little bit of, look at how powerful I am, and then he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, And again, it's the hurried nature of this movie, where it would have been interesting if we got to see like the Emperor do some powerful things around like that one hour mark or something, so you could build the tension for, like, oh no, Thanos is here, he's going to destroy everybody, you know, this is going to be the real, terrible, undefeatable force. And instead, he only gets to show his true new powers right before ray with one and then two lightsabers does the harry potter thing and like her wand beats his wand you know i
0: I, so i kind of wish that there was more of the harry potter thing but instead of instead of her getting up and him just stopping shooting the lightning up i wish that like from the ground she would have like raised up her hand and then channeled the light like through an arc to Mm. come to her instead of hitting the ships yeah and then he's like what yeah (laughs) then then he tries to like kill like because then then at least there's a it because right now it's sort of like a uh, passive action of he just stops killing all the ships and then goes like, "Oh, you want to stand up now? Take this." As opposed to like her intervening and then I don't know. It just seemed yeah seemed like more interesting to have that sort of thing happen.
1: Yeah. Than... Also, are lightsabers like wands where they're supposed to carry some kind of like? power in and of themselves and they have to match with the person who wields it or something because otherwise why does kylo throw his lightsaber into the ocean when in the next battle the secret is how he can get a lightsaber again so he can fight
0: well so it i mean
1: i understand his lightsaber is a symbol of kylo being dead and ben returning so i get get the symbolic nature of him throwing it away
0: beyond that too it's like his so you do choose your kyber crystal that changes the color of your blade and blah, mm-hmm. blah, a bunch of shit. That's, like, you choose certain lights for symbolic things. But his saber was also, like, a purposefully semi-broken blade that meant this, like, raw energy. And, like, throw it, like, if he were to be like, I'm Ben now and still use it, it's still, like, a, it still exists as a symbol outside of just the thing. So I mm-hmm. think it was, it was was it was just him saying, like, yes. I'm done with this. Okay. But it was pretty silly of him just running in with a blaster. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, the whole reach behind your head and grab the lightsaber oh, from, from the force is fucking the coolest thing yep. ever. Even though the two the two uh, Knights of Ren behind him would have just seen it materialize, and they would have been like, "Oh shit!" They wouldn't have stood there and wait for him to do the reveal.
1: Yeah, it it is also a good example of this movie and the Last Jedi talking to the, each other a little bit because that is a nice parallel to the Snoke killing scene in the second movie, where there's a a moment where someone's going to do one thing, and then instead, a saber suddenly like gets to change the dynamic of yeah. that emperor fight. So that that's yeah. cool.
0: I like that. It is. It is rad though. Like just that like strike me down now and she reaches back as though she's gonna strike him and then Mm -hmm. it's like and it's gone (laughs) and everybody's like what (laughs) that was so fucking cool i
1: love it so much i I will never know if he wanted her to strike him down i I don't understand like because does the force really work that way where like because she would have plenty of justified reasons to kill him that are not i am filled with personal hate right like i want to save the world that seems like a pretty good reason that doesn't seem like an evil sithy thing to do.
0: Yeah. I I think it's just it's
1: I know it's not this movie. Return of the Jedi has the exact same idea. Like if Luke strikes him down then he's filled with hate and that's what he wants all along.
0: I I think it 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 literally amounts to the means by which you strike them down. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. See I think he I think he is a bullshit artist and in both of these cases he's found a way to like gaslight them into being like like reverse psychology like yes kill me and then you'll be just as bad as me maybe
0: i want you to kill me do <laughs> you think i like being connected to this arm life sucks <laughs> i i've been trying to get off exegol forever there's no ubers out here <laughs>
1: uh good times good times <laughs> well should we call it a day yep i think so all right. Was this a two-hour episode? <laughs>
0: uh, we're at 1:46. Okay. Plus whatever the trailer turns it into later. Mm. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to this review of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we will see you in the coming weeks. Bye. Bye.
1: At last, the work of generations is complete. The great error is corrected. The day of victory is at hand. The
0: day of revenge. The day of the Sith.